Hey, everybody. This is Tom Salemi. Happy New Year to you. Welcome back to the Device Talks weekly podcast. Got a great episode for you this week. I'll be speaking with Tom Poland. He, of course, is CEO, President, and Chairman of Becton Dickinson. First time we've had Tom Poland on the podcast. Excited to have him share the plans for BD. They're focusing on some core areas going forward. We'll hear a bit about that on the podcast today, and we will hear even more about it. On May 10th, Tom Poland will be our opening keynote at Device Talks Boston. We'll be opening registration for Device Talks Boston next week. We'll be starting with our early bird rate. So uh, keep an eye on devicetalks.com. We'll sort of have a, a slow rollout of registration. And then, bam, we'll hit you with a lot of information about the agenda and speakers and so forth. So keep an eye on devicetalks.com. We have a new feature in this week's episode of Device Talks Weekly, introducing the Device Talks Weekly Fastball. It's a sort of pitch operation where I'm allowing uh, startup executives, founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs to record a two-minute pitch that will run on these podcasts. So I'm happy to bring you a pitch from a company that uh, I know a little bit about. I've had the opportunity to uh, get to know their founder over the last two years. We still have uh, sort of a a COVID era relationship. We've been communicating a lot on LinkedIn. Tried to get together this week, but uh, was not able to do it. But uh, excited to uh, to bring their story to the Device Talks community. And uh, if you'd like to be part of Device Talks Weekly's fastball pitch, shoot me an email at tsalemi, T-S-A-L-E-M-I at wtwhmedia.com. That's tsalemi at wtwhmedia.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll send you the link. We're kind of having a, a slow rollout of this as well. But again, my hope is that we'll bring more voices to the podcast. I would love to give some time to our startup entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurs. I love startups and would like to uh, help them get their stories out to potential partners and investors. I think that's all I have to share right now. So let's get this podcast episode started. All right, you ready for this? Ready. This is where I normally welcome Chris Newmarker to the podcast, but Chris, unfortunately, is uh, feeling a little ill this week and uh, is dealing with a lot of snow and closed schools and such. So we brought in as a special co-host of this first podcast of 2023, Chat GPT. Chat, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> that was my best robot voice. I'm sorry. That you sounded just good. like Chat. This is actually... <laughs> Another uh, another entity who knows everything, Sean Hooley, associate editor of Mass Device. Sean, happy New Year! Happy New Year! It's it's off to a good start. You just said I know everything, I <laughs> and now you now the expectations are exceedingly high. A lot, so. a lot of your listeners will probably disagree by the end, but hey, hey, that's what we're here. We're here to demonstrate. I demonstrate my ignorance on a weekly basis <laughs> on this podcast. It's uh, it's a great thing about being a journalist. So you have a good uh, good break. I did. It yep. was uh, very relaxed. Didn't do a whole lot of much of anything, but not not too bad. Enjoyed, enjoyed the time. Yeah. Same here. No, I, I made a commitment to not do anything. I Every time I was sitting on the couch and a thought popped in, oh, I really need to do X, I realized I didn't really need to do X, so I didn't do X. <laughs> I watched a lot of Andor, 
on Disney Plus. I don't know if you're an Andor fan. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but a very good series. So, but uh, I've got to catch up on all those Star Wars series. They dropped, you know, like two or three on my head without me really realizing. So, I, yeah, I, I, skip over most of them. Andor is the best yeah. one. Obi Wan was a bit disappointing. Same with Boba Fett, but uh, Andor's set the new standard, I think. But uh, enough, enough with the geek talk. <laughs> God, these poor people have to listen to us talk about Star Wars. We're here to talk about medical devices. You're, you have uh, the honor of uh, of rolling out the new Marcus Dewsmakers for the first week of 2023. So uh, don't don't be nervous, Sean. No pressure. It's 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 a little bit of pressure. You can't feel it over here, but I'm <laughs> I'm, un- I'm under it. I can see I can see you sweating there under the Klieg lights in your uh, in your apartment. <laughs> Those aren't Klieg, and you took the you took the Christmas lights down, so I can see that. I, I did. I did. Well, this I'm in a different room than the Christmas lights were in, but they are down. So it's all <laughs> the season's over. Great. So uh, before we begin the new Marcus Newsmakers, uh, we will, uh, as I mentioned at the top, we'll be uh, introducing a new feature a little later on called the uh, Device Talks Fastball. We'll we'll have a a pitch from uh, an exciting new startup. So uh, stay tuned for that. And of course, uh, later on, we'll hear from Tom Poland, the uh, CEO of Becton Dickinson, who will be our opening keynote speaker at Device Talks Boston, which is happening on May 10th and 11th. So, all right, Sean, let us begin at number five on the New Markers Newsmakers. Number five to start the new year is Zimro Biomet to acquire soft tissue healing company Embody. So Danielle covered this yesterday. Danielle uh, Kirsch, senior editor. Danielle Kirsch, yeah. yep. Um, she an- said that Zimro Biomet announced definitive agreement to acquire Embody for up to $275 million. So it's $155 million at closing and then uh, $120 million in future milestones. Zimmer Biomet CEO Brian Hansen said that Embody has differentiated products and an innovative pipeline in sports medicine, and that's uh, they're trying to increase long-term growth and drive value creation with the acquisition. So it's uh, probably our first big piece of M&A for the year. Yeah. I can't think of anything else, and so it's a good start for Zimmer, I guess. Zimmer Biomet definitely announced its presence with authority, as they say <laughs> in Bull Durham, but uh, yeah, as, as an, an aging American... Very happy to hear about Embody's complete portfolio of collagen-based biointegrative solutions that support healing and the most challenging orthopedic soft tissue injuries. Good, great. I'm going to need Grant. some. He- I'll need some healing, I'm sure, in the coming years. I probably could use a little bit right now. But all right, great, great uh, start for Zimmer Biomet. Uh, we're actually hoping to have Zimmer Biomet at Device Talks Boston. So uh, hopefully, we'll be able to uh, to learn some more about this acquisition. If not, then maybe beforehand, maybe we'll get them on the podcast to talk about this. That would also be great. And I forgot to mention they expect to complete it next month. So that's one more detail. Very important point. Fantastic. All right, Sean, let's roll on to number four on the New Marcus Newsmakers. Number four is a it's a bit of a combination. One of the better performing stories on the site has been this news out of CES 2023, the uh, consumer products, uh, consumer electronics conference. Uh, Optive to unveil breath analyzer that detects COVID-19 flu and RSV. So it's, wow. it's it's really interesting. It looks, you know, the image on the site. If you if you check out the story, it looks like a little breathalyzer. Um, and it, it 
gives results within in less than 60 seconds. Multiple use, rechargeable. They say they hope for it to become an affordable diagnostic option. So they unveiled it at CES in Las Vegas. And uh, if you want to hear more about some of the stuff coming out of CES, Danielle Kirsch covered all the medical technologies you need to know on medical design and outsourcing. Got a cool little uh, roundup with a bunch of widgets. And yeah, check it out. It's... um. Obviously, every year we look forward to kind of checking out some of the new medical technologies that are debuting there, and it's it's an interesting uh, interesting time, interesting place for innovation, I'm sure. Absolutely. Now, I've never been to that conference. I'd love to go. I know Dassault Systems had a, a booth out there about their um, showing their their virtual twin or their virtual technology. Um, it seems every year you get more and more like genuine med tech news coming out of there. So uh, definitely want to uh, try to make my way over to to CES at some point. And I, and I love this concept. So it says it. Uh, the device uses a silk. Danielle wrote, the device uses a silk-based biosensor that attracts the electrical discharge of respiratory viruses. So this combined with an artificial intelligence processor filters out potential inaccuracies. So as someone who just dropped fifty bucks on a on a couple of boxes of, uh, of <laughs> tests and got my free ones in the mail and are getting ready for. Uh, for the season of testing, uh, this yeah. would be fantastic to have something that's uh, reusable and rechargeable and could uh, could detect all three. That's that's uh, quite an advance. So it'll be interesting to follow. They said that they uh, submitted it to the FDA this past summer, so it's not mar- not marketed in the U.S. right now. But I, I do wonder if uh, perhaps we'll see it. Maybe we buy a bunch and have them uh, at the at the registration desk at uh, yeah. future conferences, and people have to to blow to get into the conference and get tested. So seriously, lots of interesting applications could be, this could be used for. So very cool stuff. All right, Sean, let us roll on to uh, number three on the new Marcus Newsmakers. Number three is more spinoffs. Uh, more we've spinoffs. Been, we've been seeing a lot of spinoffs in med tech. And uh, just the other day, GE Healthcare's spinoff from General Electric became official. Uh, they began trading on the S&P or on the NASDAQ and they joined the S&P 500. Their stock was up on the fourth, anyway, on January fourth when they when they started trading. Uh, I haven't checked it out today, but it's definitely uh, an interesting time for for GE Healthcare. They also announced the addition of former Amazon executive as their first chief technology officer. Uh, so that's they're clearly kind of committed to that angle of the. I believe they said that they formed a technology sort of committee at the company and he's mm-hmm. going to lead that. So and this is, I'm sorry, this is Dr. Taha Kas Hout. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And uh, yeah, no, this is a uh, big news for G healthcare. And we had uh, just breaking this morning, actually yep. some other big spin out news. That's right. So Baxter announced, uh, they announced a whole sort of structural reorganization plan or, or sort of, they said they called it a strategic roadmap, uh, but it includes, biggest news out of it is the spin-off of two business units that it plans in the next 12 to 18 months. plans to spin its renal care and acute therapies units into one. So they'll spin it together into one uh, publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. And so they they already have competition from another kidney spin-off with Medtronic and DaVita last year announcing their plan for a new kidney company. And as we just mentioned with GE, Zimmer Biomet, that we mentioned earlier also has a spinoff. They spun off uh, the ZimV dental and spine business. BD spun off its Embecta diabetes business last year. So it's 2023, but we're still 
we're still doing spinoffs. I thought 2022 was the year for them, but we're yeah. going to carry it on to, to 2023. Yeah, I don't know how the macroeconomic issues like interest rates and such uh, impact spinoffs and whether it'd be more or less likely to happen with that going on. I'm sure someone listening has a better understanding of that than I do, but I'm also intrigued by, and this I think will something we'll need to explore in the podcast in the future, just why we're seeing this happen with Medtronic and now with Baxter, the spinouts of the renal care businesses. I don't know if something's changed. On the technology side, if companies like Outset are sort of disrupting the space and making them less attractive, if um, there's a reimbursement change that's making them less attractive, I'm guessing something ha- has to have occurred to uh, to make sense for these spinouts to happen. So uh, definitely something we need to track down. If anyone listening has some <laughs> thoughts, uh, make sure you reach out to, to Sean or me. We'd love to, to hear what you're thinking. Welcome to our first Device Talks Weekly Fastball Pitch. We're going to hear from Ni Oyani, founder of Dialysis X. My name is Ni Oyani, and I lead a company called Dialysis X, where we have figured out the way to help kidney failure patients have their dialysis treatment without using needles. And we do this so that patients can enjoy much better health outcomes and providers and payers can save a lot of money. You see, in America today, nearly a half million people, that's modern population of residents in Miami, Florida, depend on hemodialysis to stay alive. But the reality is, dialysis stinks. Because although needles are used to perform dialysis, they cause severe and often fatal complications that not only impact patient outcomes, but also increase the cost of care for payers and insurers, cut revenue for providers, and severely limit the adoption of home dialysis among patients. Our solution is a needle-free vascular access port, which is implanted during a routine outpatient procedure and pairs with a single-use detachable cap. It is easy to use and is a safer alternative compared to traditional solutions, including needles, catheters, and grafts. Plus, it addresses the complications that have forever plagued existing vascular access devices. Our key team comprises an engineer, a vascular surgeon, and the biomaterial scientists. We're a lean but very nimble team, and our ability to do surprisingly more with less is one of our biggest superpowers. At the moment, we're in active in product development. We've successfully scaled down the device footprint to the size of a quarter, and are performing bent-up testing with our eyes on animal and clinical trials in the next few months. We're always on the lookout for strategic partners, including OEMs and financial backers, who believe in and want to join our mission to redesign the future of dialysis care. We are Dialysis X, and this is our fastball pitch. Thanks, Nee, for throwing our first Device Talks weekly fastball pitch. If you want to learn more about Dialysis X, reach out to Nee at his email. It is O O Y E N I Y I at dialysisx.com. All right, Sean, let's roll on to the second, number two, fourth or second. We'll say number two on the new Marker's (laughs) Newsmakers list. Yeah, that sounds good. It's another duo, another combination, but uh, there were two big fundraising uh, bits of news yesterday, and it was... Volta Medical raises a 37.9 million Series B round, and Cardiac Dimensions raises a 35 million Series D. Uh, so just a couple companies bringing in more capital. 
With cardiac dimensions, they develop minimally invasive treatment modalities for heart failure. Uh, its lead product, the Carillon Mitral Contour System, is a minimally invasive uh, system for restoring natural mitral valve function without damaging leaflets. So, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting technology to follow. They said that they want to use the proceeds from the Series D to enroll in their pivotal study. And uh, it's it's still an investigational device in the US, although it's authorized in Europe and Australia. So another one to watch to see if it comes to, to the States. As for Volta Medical, this is an interesting, you know, uh, software-based technology for treating AFib. And uh, it's an FDA-cleared VX1 AI-based software for interventional cardiac electrophysiology that was a mouthful <laughs> yeah so that's they uh use machine learning and deep learning algorithms to assist in the real-time manual annotation of 3d anatomical and electrical maps of the human atria um so it's in more interesting technology but they also announced that they brought on a new chief financial officer and it happens to be uh one john slump who most recently served as CFO of Surgical Innovation Associates, which was recently acquired by Integra Life Sciences. Before that, he co-founded Ferripulse, uh, which did pulse field ablation, mm-hmm. and Boston Scientific acquired them. So he's uh, got a good track record. I wonder uh, what Volta's planning with him uh, leading their financial business or financial yeah. part of the company. No, for sure. I mean, it sounds like he's able to, to get companies in a position to uh... – to be acquired and to, to meet the due diligence of strategic buyers, just looking at the investors in the two companies, looking at Volta first, uh, Vensana Capital led the funding, Lightstone Ventures, great firm, uh, and uh, Gilda Healthcare all uh, provided co-investment. And then on the cardiac dimension side, existing investor Horizon 3 Healthcare invested along with an undisclosed strategic investor. And uh, other investors included Arboretum Ventures, another great firm, Host Plus, EQT Life Sciences, Lumera Ventures, and uh, MH Carnegie and Company. So $35 million for cardiac dimensions, $38 million or 36 million euro for uh, Volta Medical. So a couple of strong uh, financings for medical device companies starting out 2023. Nothing to add to that. That's that's what it is. It says it all. It says it all. <laughs> now it's good to see these companies uh, get the funding they need. It's good to see firms like Vinsana putting capital to play. Uh, Vinsana's had a, a invested in some really fascinating companies to, to date and led by a couple of great partners. So uh, so we'll see where, where these are headed. All right. Let us uh, complete the new markers newsmaker, Sean. What is the big number one? Big number one is a story from the beginning of the week. Recor Medical names uh, Siemens Health Nears and Tarumo Veteran as CEO. It's uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Lara Bargout. She's now the president and CEO of Recor Medical, succeeding Andrew Weiss. And uh, yeah, it's we we talked about on the year end podcast about the personnel changes roundup and how mm-hmm. so so few of the major company hires, the corner office hires, were women. So it's good to start with uh, to start the year with this news. And uh, right before the end of the year, actually, Active Surgical appointed Manisha Shah Bugaj as CEO. So that's another woman coming into a relatively good sized company uh, to lead it. So. Hopefully that's a start of a trend for the year because like like we said, uh there was not a lot of movement for and we obviously pay close attention to women in med tech and uh 
it's a good start anyway. Absolutely. No, I mean, you know, we were talking about the larger companies and uh, Lara Bargo, or Bargout, was uh, previously with uh, Siemens Health and Airs. She was a senior vice president and head of advanced therapies there. So uh, she was certainly on the higher levels. She succeeds uh, Andy Weiss, who we had on the podcast uh, just last month. Actually, it was the second to last episode of uh, of Device Talks Weekly. And I had talked to him and Helen Reeve Stouffer. She's vice president of clinical affairs uh, back in... I had interviewed them probably uh, maybe November, early November. Uh, so when I had spoken with them uh, and I wasn't able to run the interview until a, week, a month later, uh, didn't get a sense that this was happening. But this is, an un- this is not uncommon for a startup to uh, once they get the clinical support and once they get the approvals they need to move forward and to move into the commercial phase to get someone who's got the big company experience and is able to uh, transform a company from uh, from a cool company with potential to a real business venture. So uh, excited to see where uh, where, where Recore Medical takes Reynolds Innovation. It's been something that's been stalled uh, over the past few years, but it'll be nice to to see hopefully a robust commercial enterprise uh, take off there. And you mentioned Active Surgical. Of course, we'd have uh, head CEO Todd Eusen on the program a few times. And uh, he has moved over and he is now uh, taking over for David Clapper, who is retiring as president and CEO of Minerva Surgical. And uh, so a bit of musical chairs going on, but uh, lots of lots of great CEOs. And uh, uh, I, was, uh, I mean, yeah, I plan to uh, think we do the sort of twice a year, the personnel roundup, personnel changes roundup. So probably around May or June, I'll see what the biggest changes of the year so far. And I hope that these uh, are just a start for adding more women to the corner office and then or other executive roles. And going back to Lara Bargo, as president and CEO of Recore Medical, she joins a strong community of uh, women CEOs in MedTech in the Silicon Valley area. You've got Renee Ryan of Cala Health. You've got Erica Rogers of Silk Medical. Of course, got Leslie Trigg, a favorite of ours uh, at Outset Medical. So uh, as you said, it's a positive trend and, and one we hope to continue seeing. So uh, great news for, uh, for Recore Medical and for the MedTech community. Hi, everybody. Tom here. Before I begin this interview with Tom Poland, I uh, I have to apologize. I don't know what happened with my audio. Uh, Technical difficulties, as we say in the biz, but uh, it's likely I forgot to plug something in or forgot to shut off my Bluetooth connection to my my Beats Flex. But uh, my sound is a little bit off, but Tom Poland sounds like a rock star, thank goodness. And that's why you're here. So let's begin this interview with Tom Poland, CEO, President, and Chairman of Becton Dickinson. Once again, he'll be our opening keynote speaker at Device Talks Boston. Keep an eye on devicetalks.com for more information. Well, Tom Poland, I'm excited to, to learn about BD. We've had BD horribly unrepresented on the Device Talks Weekly podcast. We were, we were blessed to have Dave Vicky and Brooke Story on about a year ago, maybe a half a year ago. So we just started the conversation, but uh, looking forward to continuing it. Before we get into the company, though, I'd like to find out about the guest, and uh, I should let folks know that you'll be our opening keynote at Device Talks Boston on May 10th. So uh, we'll consider this part one of that conversation, if that works well for you. Sounds great. Great time to be in Boston. <laughs> sure is. So uh, let's find out about your your path into MedTech. What was your uh, your draw into the industry? Was it, was it immediate, or did you start somewhere else first? 
it, it started quite young for me. So I, I certainly wasn't uh, born to, to get into the industry necessarily. I, I grew up in the middle of the country. I was the first in my family to, to go to college and, and I, I went to get into the sciences. And that was really catalyzed back when I was 13 years old. I, I woke up uh, for school one day. I was getting ready and mother was helping me do that. And she suddenly collapsed and died of an aneurysm. Oh my right God. And so the rest of that day was, uh, as you can imagine, for a 13 year old kid with my dad, who's now managing uh, getting my, my mom to the hospital, uh, oh my ambulance, uh, helicopter in the shock trauma. That was my first kind of big exposure to healthcare then at 13. My, my mom ended up passing away by the end of the day then. But uh, it was kind of gave me a belief that I wanted to make a difference in healthcare and that there was an opportunity for healthcare to be better. And so I started actually on the healthcare provider side, working at Johns Hopkins in the lab and, and doing research right out of undergrad, and then joined a small startup company in the Bay Area, right in the middle of the, the dot-com boom which, mm. uh, in the life science sector in diagnostics, doing stem cell and HIV diagnostics. I was one of the first five or so folks in that company. Uh, we ended up growing it up. And selling it to BD, which is how I came to uh, to BD many oh, no years, kidding. many years ago, about twenty years ago. So what company was that? It was a company called Biometric Imaging, okay. uh, and we uh, ended up selling that to the life science flow cytometry business within BD, our BD Bioscience business. And then I ended up moving over to the diagnostic systems business, our infectious disease diagnostics business, and then across I've I've worked in or had responsibility for most businesses in the company over the twenty years after that point. That's a, a tragic introduction to to healthcare, and I can't imagine being. I've got a, my youngest son is thirteen, so it hits home for me. What lesson have you that that must obviously remains with you as a as a human being, but as a professional, what is that experience? How does that stick with you and help you guide decisions that you're making as leader of one of the the larger med tech companies? There's a patient at the end of everything that we do. It's something yeah. we often talk about in in BD. I, I certainly had that ingrained firsthand and and understand that today. My wife is is a, a surgeon as well, a cancer surgeon, and so certainly our household is deep immersed in in the the healthcare field. And a reminder of what we do is extremely important. I often talk to our team about there's or when I'm out recruiting MBA students, etc. There's lots of cool industries that one can be in: iPhones, electric cars, etc. And People really, people think those are cool. Like my, I've got a 14-year-old son who thinks Nike's really cool, and it is cool. <laughs> but at the end of the day, right, most everyone on the planet, if they or someone that they loved gets ill, the only thing that they care about is getting them well, getting themselves or the person that they love well. And that's the business we're in. So it's, it's the most important, most consequential business an industry that there is on the planet, obviously supporting the providers who who provide care to those people in need. And I think that's that's something we can all be proud of. We get to fulfill our, our life's work through our work life in a way when you're working in this industry. And and that that's something that I know inspires all of our associates and the associates of most of our peers, you know, to be in this industry and, and work hard every day to make a difference. Absolutely. I started covering medical devices in ninety eight when all my friends were covering dot coms and my industry is still in demand, and, and theirs has certainly changed uh, drastically. So uh, happy to be here. So you had the startup bug. Obviously, you were, you were involved with the startup. You were acquired, or the company was acquired by BD. Was it your plan to go back to doing startups? Or did you feel like you, you just found a home? Maybe you wanted to stay with your technology and, and see it through. What what kept you at BD? Just tremendous opportunities. BD is kind of med tech all in one. 
we often talk about there's if if you want to work in med tech across different areas, just come to work at BD, right? We have life sciences and basic research in in our bioscience business. It's helping discover many of the new cancer drugs are being discovered and Nobel laureates using our technology to understand the immune system to the diagnostic side in, in our IDS business, right on through the large supply and uh, infrastructure solutions that run pharmacies and labs and prevent infections, et cetera, in our medical segment where we make 45 billion devices a year right on through implantables and uh, the more interventional products that are more physician preferred and, and uniquely engaged with each patient on a one-on-one basis in our, our BDI business. And so I think BD is just such an amazing company with such a, a diverse portfolio and an opportunity to impact healthcare. There's uh, a lot of amazing things to to do and with a 125-year legacy of successfully doing that for a long period of time. It's it's a great company to have built a career. I, I took a small, about four or five year period in the middle of my BD career, and I went to Baxter Healthcare and ended up running their injectable drug business, et cetera. But that was not as, uh, there, there's no major story to that other than I, I met my wife somewhere in between. And uh, she was in, she was an officer in the US Navy and was deployed. She, as she finished her residency that year, there were three surgeons that graduated from the, the residency program at uh, the U.S. Naval Medical Center in Bethesda. One got sent to Guam, one got sent to Iceland, and she was deployed to Chicago uh, to the Great Lakes <laughs> Naval Base there. And so uh, with young kids, I decided to, well, BD didn't have anything in Chicago, so I left BD and went to Baxter. And then when she was at, uh, came out of the military and, and wanted to do a fellowship in uh, breast cancer surgery, she had an offer here in New Jersey, and I, I came back to BD at that point. So wonder where your career would be if she got sent to Guam. This would be an entirely different story. We talked a bit about BD's broad offerings, but when I look at larger med techs, I honestly don't really know where to place BD. I think of Medtronics and Boston Scientific, and I kind of put them all in this one neighborhood, and BD is kind of an adjacent neighborhood. And I don't know if that's fair of me or not to look at that. How should people view BD? Because I think we think about syringes. We think about all the stuff that's essential to healthcare, but maybe isn't the things that's, that up the the items or the devices that are getting the attention. Um, how, how do you tell people about, about BD and how should I think of BD? I think you're on the right track there. So we we think of BD in, in kind of two major areas. We think about that durable core business that you talked about, which are those products that are ubiquitous with, with running healthcare, products like catheters, syringes, vacutainer tubes, hernia mesh, uh, infusion pumps, et cetera. Things that many people take for granted in in healthcare today are there because of BD, right? One of the the first things that put BD on the map was inventing disposable medical devices. That was the first device was a disposable syringe that, that BD invented the technology and to stabilize polymers to uh, to gamma radiate them to help reduce infections, which of Amazing. course is standard of care. And we invented things like the single use IV catheter as well as a vacutainer tube. And right, the blood used to be drawn with syringes in the past. So those products, we make 45 billion of those devices a year. I put it wow. in perspective, that's seven devices per human on the planet. And we sell our devices in more than 190 countries around the world. So most countries you find BD in our team. That's what we call our durable core, that backbone of healthcare and something we're really proud of. At the same time, we've been accelerating our portfolio shift into what we call transformative solutions. And that's really around looking forward at the solutions that are going to be reshaping 
healthcare. These are irreversible trends that we see reshaping healthcare over the next 10 years. And about 60% of our R&D spend, about 95% of our M&A spend goes into these categories. And it's about 4 billion of our revenue today growing very strongly, uh, near double digits. And so those three areas that we're investing in there are smart connected care and robotics, particularly around improving the efficiency of pharmacies, of laboratories, and of nursing productivity. The second major area that we've been investing heavily behind are solutions that enable the shift to new care settings. So that could be everything from urine incontinence in the home to home diagnostics to being able to have your blood collected in a retail setting, not by a phlebotomist, but by the retail clerk, as an example, as we think about care transformation and the role of pharmacists moving from counting pills behind the counter at your local retail location to actually doing wellness checks, delivering vaccines, or even coming out to collect your blood for the, a wellness check as, an, as part of that. And then the third major part of, of our investment in transformative solutions is around solutions that improve outcomes in chronic disease. We think that chronic disease has long been associated with taking medications for the rest of your life. We think that devices, technology and devices today can have an increased role in chronic disease management and improving outcomes much more significant weighting as we go forward and move beyond the pill. And so, you know, we're investing in solutions in areas like peripheral vascular disease and end-stage renal disease and cancer that are making an impact there. So we really couldn't be more excited about the, the future of BD and, and how we have a major role in transforming the future of, of care. Those are three areas that are talked about a great deal nowadays. So three definitely critical areas for growth I can see. With the connected care area, you mentioned robotics. Obviously, the ears perk up with the mention of robotics and healthcare. How does robotics look to BD? What does a what a robotic system look like to BD? So we actually we actually have quite a large robotics business, well north of a five hundred million dollar robotics and automation business. Well, one okay. of the larger ones in in, in med tech actually. Pharmacy automation is is the backbone of that, but also major. Your systems are automating the laboratory, like our Keystra microbiology automation platform, and we continue to look at others. We recently acquired, we did a $1.5 billion acquisition of Parada, which is the leader in pharmacy automation in North America. We combine that with our ROA business, which is the leader in pharmacy automation in Europe, to now be the world's largest provider of automation for the pharmacy, right? Helping to move pharmacists out in front where they can engage more with the patients or consolidate pharmacies in, in large warehouses, um, just given labor constraints in that space and the rising cost of labor, we're seeing tremendous demand for these solutions, not only from retail customers, but from long-term care facilities and large healthcare systems more so than ever are creating large centralized automated robotic pharmacies. And, and we're helping them to do that. We're seeing the same thing in, in microbiology laboratories where typically microbiology results can take a couple of days to grow bacteria, et cetera. And Imagine healthcare systems with 10 hospitals in a close geographic area. We're seeing them design central laboratories and centralize that testing where then you need automation and robotics to do that. So we have robots that pick street Petri dishes, pick colonies, AI that identify is there growth on the Petri dishes, and then robots that help determine what the bug is and what drug to use to treat the patient with in what concentration, running with two-thirds less microbiologists than you would normally need. And microbiologists are an extremely rare capability to find today. There's just not wow. enough out there. And so we're seeing, again, great demand for solutions like that. We continue to uh, add automation and, and uh, software solutions in the hospital around medication management. 
more on the software and informatics side there uh, around connected devices like infusion pumps, mm-hmm. around uh, software that's helping do safe compounding, but that's ultimately taking the burden off of pharmacists, off, off of nurses. Another great smart device that we just launched is a smart Foley catheter, right? When you're typically a nurse has to go in and look at how much urine has come out of the patient every hour to determine are the drugs that are supposed to remove fluids from the patient working at the right rate. Smart Foley mm-hmm. catheter just automatically loads that information up into the electronic medical record, again, making it easier on the, the nursing workflow. And so we're constantly looking at new solutions that are improving nursing workflow, pharmacy workflow, laboratory workflow. Those solutions are needed more so than ever today as you think about 500,000 clinicians leaving the workforce in the last several years since the pandemic started. And we know there's more of that to come. And so it's a, it's a heavy area of investment for us. Well, was this a pivot following COVID? I imagine not. I imagine, I mean, the workforce concerns have been present, but COVID accelerated those like it did so many other things. I but think those three trends that I mentioned that, that we're investing behind, that smart connected care, the shift to new care settings and improving outcomes for patients with chronic disease, all three of those trends had begun before COVID, but they went into hyperdrive because of COVID, both a combination of the accelerated retirement of the workforce really caused increased need for that. Certainly people's preference for how care was delivered, including in their home, as people got to do things like home COVID testing, we saw a big increase in demand for solutions there. I think that's creating irreversible shift in how care will be delivered in the future. Telemedicine, obviously, is, is something that was a trend already, but accelerated in a significant irreversible way because of COVID. So much I want to talk about. <laughs> I want to get a sense from you, you, the new care settings. Again, this is something we, we talk a great deal about, healthcare at home and all of that. What does that look like for BD in five years or so? What, what will be happening outside of the, the clinical care setting five years from now that's happening in the clinical care setting now? Or at least what are you sort of preparing for? There's a few things. So I'd say there's healthcare at home and there's hospital at home we talk about inside the yeah. company. And so... And we have solutions that we're developing for both. So when it comes to healthcare at home, for example, COVID tests for for at home use, yep. we have uh, in in, Big fan. in in clinical trials our, our <laughs> flu COVID combo test. More important than ever to have a, a solution like that today. Do I have flu or COVID? We see those coming to market here in in the not too distant future. We we were working on, of course, we invented vacutainer blood collection. It's it's ubiquitous with the way that blood's collected today. We have a new product in the pipeline that's in clinical trials that we're, we'll be submitting to the FDA this fiscal year, which is the version of that for at home and in the retail settings. We call it might be the micro draw, and it's meant to be able to collect blood in a retail setting, or eventually we see that five within the next five years, collecting your own blood at home and pressing a button on an app and having it picked up by an Uber-like driver Wow! Uh, and helping to improve um, compliance with getting your annual physical, et cetera. That can often be a barrier of when can I get go get my blood drawn, draw yourself at your house and send it in. We think that can can enable a whole new wave of home testing and capabilities there that empower patients more so than ever. And we want to be the ubiquitous standard for that, just like we are for testing that happens on blood in, in uh, more organized, um, professional collected settings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are some examples of when we think about healthcare at home for, for those who are, are already healthy. As we think about hospital at home, again, devices that Many of the devices that are in the hospital that are being used, that are, are standard, that are used for every patient, over 90% of any patient going into a U.S. hospital will be touched by a BD device. Uh, that's a fact. 
those devices have all been optimized for professional use settings. And so everything from infusion pump technology to ICS, how far they hang out of your arm, maybe one dynamic in a hospital could change in a home setting. Um, how you know, a Foley catheter versus an external catheter and, and how that device is used. For example, we have a device called Purewick at home, which enables urinary incontinence to be managed at your bedside where you don't have wall suction, which you would need in a hospital for that. We have a, a small portable device that sits at the foot of your bed at your house. And so we see a whole new set of solutions that are going to be needed that are also more connected as healthcare can move to the home, and we have a key role in enabling that. And so, again, we're really excited about the role that we can can play in enabling a new transformation in healthcare over the next decade. Well, BD's been wildly acquisitive over the last two years, and uh, we'll talk a lot about those uh, acquisitions, I think, in Device Talks Boston. One deal I wanted to talk, or it's actually a collaboration I want to talk about in the Mayfit into chronic care, was uh, I noticed in October you you uh, you signed an agreement with BioCore about their NJ technology to pair it with BD UltraSafe passive needle. It sounds as if you're tr- going to be able to track self-administered drug therapies and track whether or not they're being uh, administered or not. Is that is that where that's going? And that would sound like maybe it's a treatment for something to help monitor treatment for diabetes or other things that are requiring care at home. Can you talk a bit about about that? Sure. Actually, the fastest growing business in BD is our pharmaceutical systems business. This is a business that we, our customers are pharmaceutical companies, and we're providing the injectable devices that they're pre-filling their drugs into and then providing them either to clinicians. So if you've ever had a vaccine, the doctor just takes out the syringe that already has the, the vaccine in it. That's a very, very likely our syringe that that's already been preloaded into, but also a large portion, for example, 60% of all biosimilar insulins are coming out in our insulin pen, where we have new wearable patch injectors, things that maybe you would have had to go into a healthcare setting to get an infusion of, we could do with a disposable wearable device that uh, we have products that are in clinical studies with that today. So we're seeking to enable not only continued safe delivery of using pre-filled devices partnered with pharma in professional settings, but we see a whole new wave of those coming into the home for people self-injecting themselves. Of course, one of the key things when you're now moving that drug delivery and enabling patients to do it is, are they actually delivering the medication? Where are these devices? Are they authentic? Are they being stored properly? Are they being injected? Is the patient being compliant? Many of these drugs are biologics. They can be extremely expensive. And so making sure that there's cost-effective use of these expensive biologics in a home setting, that the patient's truly getting the outcomes that are being expected and paid for and the patient deserves is important. And we think this is where digital can play a really important role. And that's the spirit behind the relationship that you saw announced there. Great. Final question. I know we have to get to go in a minute, but like as I mentioned, you, you made a number of acquisitions over the last couple of years. Are you going to be busy digesting these acquisitions over the next two years, or are you going to continue to be uh, busily acquiring other technologies to uh, to augment your own portfolio? Yeah. yeah. So we, we've done 19 acquisitions over those last two and a half years. And, wow. More uh, than I thought. <laughs> going, going really well, um, each of them. As we, we think looking ahead, I wouldn't expect that we're going to do 19 acquisitions over the next two and a half years. As we think about this next phase of BD, which really started late last year, look at larger 
fewer tuck-in acquisitions. Still tuck-ins, we have no plans for transformational M&A, but I think the Parada acquisition is a good representation of that. Over north of a $200 million revenue company, $1.5 billion acquisition, and in a very fast-growing space that's highly aligned with our customer segments and, and other elements of our portfolio, we see a number of other opportunities more in that category than, than smaller ones. The first ones that we began with were great products that were just coming to market, often with less than $50 million of revenue, that we could take global, that we could leverage our, our channels or our portfolio offering for, and, and they've done really well in our hand. And we'll continue to do those selectively, but we'll also look at some of the more impactful ones as we've been very actively evolving our portfolio to align with these future trends that we mentioned. Of course, you also saw a spin out and create one of the world's largest dedicated diabetes drug delivery companies with the spin yep. out of Embecta. This past year, as part of our portfolio strategy, you saw us bringing in 95% of those 19 acquisitions were technologies that are in those three transformative solution areas, right? So we're really reshaping BD's portfolio into those faster growing spaces that are going to be reshaping the future of healthcare. And you can expect 90 plus percent of the acquisitions that we do going forward will be aligned with those trends. But it doesn't mean we can't do. There's some really exciting ones that we did in our core as well. One of those is a technology we acquired last year that enables our one stick hospital stay for patients. One of the, there's three things patients always have top of mind. How, how easy is it to find a parking spot at the hospital? <laughs> What's the food taste like? And how many times am I going to get stuck with yeah. a needle? And the reality is the average patient on an average hospital stay gets stuck 14 times with a needle. Typically, wow. many folks are aware the first stick you typically get is a catheter. And then catheters, of course, are meant to be stiff when they go in your body, but then soften so that they don't irritate the inside of your vein as they're sitting there for several days. And so what that means is you can't draw blood through a typical peripheral catheter because it'll, when you put a vacuum on it, the tip of it slams shut because it's a wet noodle. That vacuum just shuts it. So you have to stick the patient a couple times a day to draw blood. One of the technologies that we acquired last year is a device called PIVO that allows you to draw blood through the catheter that you put in. And so you put a catheter in and then you can draw all the blood that you need typically several times a day through that one stick that you already did, thus enabling the one stick hospital stay, which fits in extremely well with our portfolio as the leader in peripheral catheters in the world. Um, with a very large commercial organization that can help support our patients in adopting this new technology. And it's the first product that I've seen some of our customers, providers actually take billboards out to advertise <laughs> how they now have a one-stick hospital stay potential because it's such an important topic for patients. And, and I know I've had loved ones and family members who have gone in and even had to get three or four sticks just to try to find the vein. And that's something that uh, you want to avoid. We've all seen the bruised arms of folks who have been in the hospital for a while, and there's an opportunity for that as a durable core product for us you know, to help transform healthcare as well. So, That's amazing. Well, my, my 13-year-old son is, is needle anxious, so uh, he's happy folks are on the case of, uh, of solving these problems. So, Well, this has been a great conversation. We'll have a lot to unpack uh, when we talk again on May 10th. Tom Poland, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Tom, thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing you in May. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Sean Hooley, thanks for filling in for Chris Newmarker. We hope to have you back on uh, on this podcast very, very soon. Until then, where can folks find you on social media? You can find me on social media on LinkedIn 
Uh, my name is Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Um, that's probably the best place if you want to get in touch and connect. Uh, I am on Twitter as Sean Hooley, W-T-W-H, but uh, not as active as I probably should be on there. But we'll we'll maybe try and remedy that in the new year. But yeah, those, that's where you can find me. That's great. I'm also on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. Please connect with Sean or myself uh, when you share this podcast, and we'd really be grateful if you did. Uh, I'm, I have a Twitter account, but I haven't really been on it, on it very much, so uh, use LinkedIn, please. And uh, yes, please share this episode, or actually, this is where I normally ask Chris Newmarker to ask people to... Like... Uh, follow, subscribe. Got there it. you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm rusty in the new year. Give me a break. <laughs> I caught you a bit unawares. That's right. Like, follow, and or subscribe to uh, to the Device Talks Podcast Network. You'll get the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. You'll get uh, Striker Talk. You'll get Intuitive Talks. And uh, we're going to be rolling out some new podcasts in the new year. So uh, please do subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network so you don't miss any great insights. And while you're uh, in the subscribing mood, of course, make sure you subscribe to Medtronic Talks. They have their own channel and uh, we'll continue our Medtronic Talks podcast in 2023 as well. And uh, that's it. We'll be uh, starting up our Device Talks Tuesdays season next month. So we've got a little time there. Uh, and we'll be uh, opening registration for Device Talks Boston probably later next week and we'll have a really uh really healthy and generous early bird registration rate you want to make sure you do not miss that so uh keep an eye on devicetalks.com we will uh will include updates on uh on speakers uh as as we did in today's episode as i did up at the top and we look forward to seeing you in boston so all right well great job sean hooley thanks for uh doing such a great job filling in for the ailing chris newmarker my pleasure thank you for having me We'll